0: Welcome to Step Into the Story, incredible conversations of how the Bible changes lives, changes families, and changes communities across the globe. And here's your host, Phil Tuttle of Walk Through the Bible.
1: Welcome to Step Into the Story. I love it when we get together every couple of weeks and we meet a brand new friend. Sometimes it's somebody I know. Today it's somebody I get to meet him right alongside you. And we always explore the intersection of God's story and their story. Will you please welcome with me to step into the story today's special guest, Dr. Joe Rigney. Joe, thanks for joining us.
2: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, Joe, your your bio um, makes me tired. You are a man who's wearing... Multiple hats. I'm I'm loving seeing you on Zoom right now. That you do indeed only have one head, because yes. I was I was a little afraid when I read all the things. You are um, serve as the president of uh, Bethlehem College and and seminary, and then as well as that, um, you you also are a part of the teaching team at a local church, Cities Church. A frequent writer for Gospel Coalition as, as well as for desiring God. Um, what do you do in your spare time? I guess would be my first question.
2: Yeah. So then the ex, the other hat is, um, coach. So I, uh, I have two sons, uh, three sons, but two of them that are in of, of age. Uh, so I've got a 13 year old and 11 year old, both of whom play, uh, baseball. And so I'm, I'm a coach for for their teams. Uh, and then we also have a three-year-old, but, uh, But I'm not coaching him yet. So, uh, so yeah. So other spare time, it's a lot of uh, a lot of time with the family, uh, a lot of baseball. Uh,
1: I love that. When I read that, um, prepping for this conversation, we are very much a baseball family. Our daughter played softball um, up through high school, a little bit into college. Our son played four years um, at Wheaton College, and um, just greatest sport there is. Absolutely love now watching games with my kids, uh, cherish every moment because as, as much as it gets crazy some weekends, um, you are going to miss it when it's over. I'm I'm telling you that right now.
2: Yeah, we, we, we're very much trying to maximize that time, that window of time where we get to do it with the boys. So mm. love it.
1: So how long have you and Jenny been married?
2: Uh, we've been married since 2005. So 17 years, almost 17 years. Uh, we met at Texas A&M University in uh, where we both did our undergrad and uh, and then moved immediately we actually I actually moved up to Minnesota to um, go to seminary um, about a month before we got married so I moved up here got all moved in went home got married and then brought her brought her north from Texas uh, to Minnesota and we've been here ever since Wow that sounds
1: that sounds very similar to me we got married at um, Christmas time my first year in seminary so that was Worst three months of my life trying to. <laughs> I had a church history final exam on Thursday before the rehearsal on Friday and the wedding on Saturday. So um yeah, I I can still uh, remember the pain of that. Very I definitely. Not, I
2: did not do as well in that first semester. I will say that there was a there was a, a lot of other things on my mind. So
1: um, let's talk let's talk about the school. That you currently lead, you're you're an associate professor there. I want to I want to delve into that as a minute, but you're also you're also president there at Bethlehem College and Seminary. What's distinctive about Bethlehem other than a really cool name for a school?
2: Yeah. Um, well, we're an intentionally small uh, school, so we, we have both a college and a seminary, undergraduate programs as well as uh, as a, a master divinity. Uh, our seminary is somewhat unique in that it's a um, it's a cohort model. We only accept about 16 to 20 students per year. It's a four-year program, so we have anywhere from 60 to 70 seminarians at any one time, and uh, and so what it means is students come in and they go through the program together. Uh, So it's very carefully constructed. The courses build on themselves, um, and it's in the context of a local church. And so you know we're in the church, we're in the Word, we're doing it together. Um, But that allows for a a depth of engagement uh, in classroom and out of classroom, a, a way of forming. Uh, men for ministry that's a little bit unique from sort of the the choose your own adventure uh, approach that a lot of schools take where you kind of the student decides and this is true both of our seminary and our college um, all of our programs are are fairly well um, constructed because we want them to build on themselves in a logical sort of way um, and that allows this kind of depth of engagement Um, I can assume as a professor if I'm teaching third or fourth year students I know what they've had for the first and second years which means I can assume some things we can go a little deeper press the things in and further and then because they're doing it together um they they the, the learning doesn't stop when class ends so they they go home they're living together uh and uh, and they're able to continue the conversations continue to work things over and so it just it's a really a, a holistic and formative approach to higher education that we think is is relatively and there's other places that do it similar sorts of things but but it's unusual let's put it that way um and then that's, of course, in addition. So we're right here in the heart of uh, downtown Minneapolis, um, and uh, we're tied into Bethlehem Baptist Church, as well as other churches that have been planted out of Bethlehem. I'm Like I said, I'm a pastor at Cities Church, which is a Bethlehem. Not, I guess we're not a church plant anymore. We've been around for about seven years, but we were planted out of Bethlehem about seven years ago. And so our students are sort of woven into the life and ministry of those churches. Uh, our, our seminarians are apprentices, so they serve under pastors uh in uh in the twin cities and that's a, a fundamental part of their of their education it's not just classroom it's also experience and ministry uh together together with with masters so to speak masters of of uh uh ministry and preaching um who are helping to shape them into the men that uh that we god wants them to be uh, and then at our college we teach great books in light of the greatest book for the sake of the great commission so we uh we have a very kind of um at one level it's very broad kind of education we study sort of everything we call actually our, our first 3 years of the program is called omnia which is the greek word for all things um, and the idea is that we want to um we we read great texts so there's a, a kind of a classical christian uh orientation there so we read the plato's and the and the shakespeare's and the jane austens and and that sort of stuff um, but in light of the greatest book uh, in light of the scripture that's the lens uh, and the foundation through which we do everything else, uh, but all for the sake of, of the Great Commission uh, and, and God's mission in the world to make disciples, um, whether that's here or wherever you live, but also uh, globally in terms of cross-cultural ministry. Right. So That means students, when they come through, after they do that kind of three, there's a three-year sort of core that all students get, and then they can choose to specialize either in theology and letters, which is sort of deepening the the great books, theology uh, and um Biblical studies, which is focusing more on the on the Bible, and then theology and global studies, which is a cross-cultural ministry missions track, uh, and so students can can graduate with, uh, with one of those. So, it's a really it's a wonderful school. It's a small. We're we're intentionally small so that we can offer a really unique uh, life on life face to face mode of of education that's a little bit unusual with all the online and, sure. and big lecture halls kind of thing. Uh, but we think it's really special. And we think we're unusually affordable. So students, it's only about $7,000 a year for the student um, at, at all levels uh, because we have uh, the Serious Joy Scholarship. We privately raise about $10,000 a year per student uh, to fund the education so that they can graduate without the burden of student loan debt. and They can launch into life and marriage and ministry and all of those things without... Having to, to be shackled by uh, by the student student loan debt, so it's a really special place. And uh, if some of your listeners are interested in looking at school. We'd love to let them reach out.
1: Uh, I love that model, you know, and uh, everything that you just said. But in addition to that, just the connection with the local church, and you know, some of my favorite professors in grad school were very definitely those who were pastoring a church in addition to their role on the on the seminary campus, and it just. That practical orientation. I somebody asked me today. Uh, you know, again, you and I meeting for the first time. Somebody says, "Well, I'm sure you've done your, resor- your research. What's he like?" And I I wrote this down. I said he's deeply theological and intensely practical. Mm-hmm. And it's just really fun for me to hear that not only did I nail that assessment, but but that you're leading an institution that is certainly making a serious attempt to balance those two things. You know, it, it's it's so scary when I'll go to speak someplace and they'll be like, you know, Phil, we're really counting on you to bring not necessarily something theological, but something practical today. And, I mean, there's nothing less practical than anything mm-hmm. that's not built on a solid theological foundation. And there's nothing sadder than theology that's taught when it's a divorce God never intended, where it's just, let's just understand this aspect of God without applying it in practical ways. So, um, this seems to be what you have given your life to, and it's, it's wonderful to see God maximizing that.
2: Yeah. It's, it it is a wonderful thing. And you know, you mentioned the hats that I wear. Um, so, you know, I've joked for years that I'm a professor by day and a pastor by night. Um, and uh and seeing the interplay of those two vocations so the the class the classroom exercises the engaging with students um sort of rigorous theological we're in the bible or we're in the great text so i'm I'm a professor of theology and literature so i I teach shakespeare and c.s lewis and and, um all all sorts of things like that in addition to to um jonathan edwards and, and biblical studies and things like that but but uh bringing what i'm doing in the classroom i try i bring that into the pulpit right so i'm i'm deepening my frameworks i'm getting clearer on my categories i'm trying to to understand what the bible says uh and get clear in my own mind and then i try to bring that clarity into the pulpit and into my um my uh, pastoral counseling and and ministry there um, because it matters it actually it helps people get helped by clarity thing when things are fuzzy people flounder they just they kind of drift around, and so helping them to get clarity, and then conversely, engaging in that kind of pastoral counseling in the context of a church, or or having to think, how do I translate this for non-specialists, for people who are not um, theologically trained, not formally trained? I need to, I need to translate what I'm seeing here in, in these great books, or in these old books, or these commentaries, or whatever. This needs to be translated into English. Yes. Um, even though I'm reading it most of the time in English, but it's got to be translated into the, into the vernacular. And, uh, and so the, the, uh, the effort to do that forces me to understand what I'm saying more clearly. It's one of the things I love about C.S. Lewis, who's a significant influence on me, uh, is precisely his ability to take really deep, rich, um, profound, complicated, often um, theological truths or philosophical truths, and then to try to translate them into a way that the butchers and bakers and candlestick makers can understand. Um, that's, a, that's an unusual thing, unfortunately, and it's one that we we make a concerted effort as a part of our education. That's, that's a main part of our educational uh, philosophy. Maybe one, one thing on that. One of the assignments I have in all of my classes, college and seminary, is uh, it's, we call it an applied rhetoric assignment. And basically what it is, is the students have to take something that they're learning in the class. So if it's a Shakespeare class, what are we talking about? If it's a Bible class, what are they talking about? And they have to go find someone, uh, an unbeliever it could be someone in a co- random person, in a coffee shop could be a relative, but basically someone who's not been a part of our discussion over the semester. Okay. And they've got to be able to engage and introduce the content and then interview that person about what they think about it. And so that requires a student to both understand the material in the classroom, but then also, how do I make this clear to someone who's not read anything that I've read, never thought about this maybe before in their lives, but probably does have thoughts? You know, why was you know, why does the world exist? Or do you think we have free will or all of those kind of questions? And then to ask and then to get engaged them and draw them out within the goal would be understanding the way that people think means you'll be able to better speak clearly to them about what's true. Mm. Uh, and so that's a fundamental, like if if we don't get to that point, um, then we don't think we're doing education well. That's a That, that ability to express clearly in speech and in writing and in all those sorts of ways is a fundamental habit that we want to instill in our students. Mm.
1: Yeah. I mean, you see in the ministry of Jesus, he could certainly go toe to toe with the most educated religious leader even when they were trying to entrap him with their clever logic. Um, But the common people, I think think there was way more laughter in the ministry of Jesus. I think we've edited that way out of the storyline. You know, I mean, why did the disciples have to try to shield Jesus from the children? There was something about how he communicated that they're like, we want to be around this man and you, you know versus the church i grew up in is like if if no other discipline worked in children's church there was always the threat that we're going to take you to big church to sit with your parents which is you know this this terrible this terrible form of punishment that and then a couple years from then you're supposed to be excited about it and you know i mean here here's the disciples wrongly feeling the need to run interference for jesus but it's it's the way he communicated his use of story, his, just the word pictures. I mean, just, he was an expert in his own culture every bit as much as in the Hebrew scriptures.
2: Yeah, very much so. That's one of the reasons I love teaching literature uh, to uh, to college students is um, stories have a way of connecting with people. I can tell when my kids, you know, I'll be sitting in church listening to one of the, our other pastors preach. And when one of them starts to tell a story i can see the kids just perk up and it's Absolutely. not just kids adults adults do the same and yeah. so learning how uh stories work how they can be vehicles and 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 ways of expressing truth about reality and connecting with people uh, that's a major part of my own personal academic interests and one of the reasons that i love teaching you know shakespeare and and jane austen is because um one of the things i found with my own students is once they have sort of this reservoir of stories both biblical stories and then sort of great texts uh, when I'm trying to help them as a sort of pastoral counselor or a professor they're in office hours struggling with something I can appeal to those stories and you can just see the light bulbs go off yeah. right so you know remember that remember this this section of uh, paradise lost remember what he said you're there that's where you are that's the story you're in right now and you can just see the light bulb and uh and they go they see themselves in a new way and so there's ways in which helping uh you know reading the story that you're in um by having good stories um around you right frameworks for like making sense of your own life and experience is is so powerful and the flip side of that is insulates you from all of the false stories that you're thrown yes every single day because uh there's lots of false stories out there that are attractive uh and, uh, and so being, having better stories, good stories, that you've thought deeply about and that you've tried to inhabit um, is a fundamental part of growing in Christian maturity.
0: Have you ever wanted to study the Bible for yourself, to really take a deep dive into scripture, but you didn't know how or where to start? We as believers need more of God's word than just what we get on Sunday or what we're taught by someone else in a small group study or Sunday school class. And at Walk Through the Bible, we often hear questions like, how do I actually study the Bible on my own? Where do I start? Our new free streaming series, Bible Study Simplified, will help to answer those questions and others with a simple process that will help people study and engage with scripture on their own. Bible Study Simplified is a four session video course that gives four easy steps to studying the Bible on your own. We're also providing a free downloadable guide that you can use again and again as you read and study scripture. Go to walkthrough.org/simplified to watch the videos and download the free guide. That's w a l k t h r u dot org/simplified.
1: I mean, were you like in third grade, going, "I want to integrate the great literature with with the story of the Bible"? I mean. What's take us back Tell us about the family you grew up in and how how did God get you doing what you're doing now because it's a really unique role in the body of Christ and I'll bet the path was unique too.
2: Yeah, so I grew up in a uh, what I'd say early on was a nominal Christian home in West Texas and uh, but it was a home full of books. We had lots of books. I, I, I remember my bookshelf being packed and, and um, I was the sort of kid that if mom if mom tried to ground me, and you know, go to your room and sit on your bed. I would say, "Oh, oh no! Don't please, don't make me go to my room with all of my books." Don't throw me in the briar patch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So I was that sort of kid. So I was always a reader. Um, at uh, At some point, I was also an athlete. I loved playing, uh, you know, baseball and football and that kind of stuff. At uh, At some point in you know, uh, there was a period of time where I wanted to be a lawyer. From you know, somewhere in junior high. Uh, and then, so I was, I was interested in arguments and ideas. I, I, I liked that sort of thing. Um, I was sort of a kid who like at 13 or 14 was watching law and order because I thought it was just fascinating the way the legal system worked. But then as, uh, as I got into high school, I was a football player in West Texas. And so I thought maybe I want to be a coach, uh, you know, coaching, coaching football. When I was a senior in high school, uh, God did a great work in my life through, uh, a, a kind of a church camp a church weekend camp kind of thing. And, uh, felt called to ministry. And, uh, and so was mentored my final my, my senior year by by my pastor uh, who helped uh, kind of shape that that sense of calling and then through college that's all that's all I wanted to do. that's where I encountered the, the ministry of, of John Piper and I think one of the big things maybe is I was always a reader um but it was in listening to Piper preach that the idea of being able to rigorously carefully read the Bible and understand and how it all fit together really mm-hmm. came alive for me. So when he would basically, you know, the idea that the Bible had contained arguments, so you can hear, so there's that lawyer background, maybe for me uh, coming to the foreground, but that, that the the so that's and the therefore's and the in order to's of the Bible were really important. And that was the thing you really got to, had to look out for is how do these different statements relate to one another? How do, How does that statement ground that statement? How is it the foundation? How does it motivate you? Um, and Piper preached that way. That was mainly what he did in his preaching, just unpack the logic and flow of these, of these different passages. And I began to realize, Hey, I can, I can do that too. I can just imitate what he's doing. So what he just did there in Philippians chapter one, I can just do it in Philippians chapter two. And it's the same, same thing. So that really engaged me in terms of, uh, wanting to, to study the scriptures more, more readily, but then also to communicate them. Um, I've said, uh, you know, one of the ways uh I can't remember I picked this this definition up, but a teacher is simply someone who loves to tell other people about the things that fascinate them. Mm. And uh and I say that's that's a really good definition of a teacher. That's why I'm a teacher, why I love teaching the way I do. Uh, and then I'm a generalist who's fascinated by a lot of different things. So, um, and so I love the Bible because it had changed my life, uh, because it had it worked in and, and, and been worked into my life in some very fundamental ways. And so then I wanted to share that, wanted to teach that. And so I remember in college leading Bible studies and what I would do, uh, I would, for all of our guys in the, in the Bible, we were going to go say through the book of Ephesians, I would, uh, take the text, put it in a word document and then put, you know, double double or triple space it. Right. And then have like, and print out a copy of the book of Ephesians with lots of space in between and, uh, and then put it in a little uh, a bol- uh, uh, you know, a folder, and then everybody would get a copy of that. And then the task was going through and circling and underlining and making notes and, and connecting this word up here to that word down there, and how does this argument function, restate it in your own words in the margin. And that was how – because that was what I had learned from Piper in his preaching, and so that's what I started doing in my own Bible study, and then that's what then I turned around and tried to teach – Others was do you see how all of this relates, and uh, found it very fruitful and rewarding, and discovered that I was gifted at it. I was, I was, I was. Um, guys got help; they got clarity; they got help for you know struggling with sin and seeing how how the Bible could change their lives. And so that just kind of set me off. And then I wanted to go to seminary because I wanted to be a uh, to be a pastor, be a, maybe plant a church. And then while I was here, fell more in love with the classroom mm-hmm. and. Uh, and was given the opportunity to uh, be at the ground level when we when we began the college back in 2007, and uh, and so I was invited in and discovered man I really love day in day out being in a classroom leading people through. So when I when I teach a, a book, whether it's the Bi- we, Bible is not quite the same because I usually have more tools. But if I'm teaching a, a great book, I just have my copy of Shakespeare, and I've got all my I just got my notes in the margins. It's all it's all marked up and underlined and circled. And I'll just open it up and turn to this page, guys, and let's just go. Let's start. What do you see there? And then, well, here's what I see. And then we'll just go back and forth, uh, engaging, asking questions, probing, get, creating problems, solving problems. Uh, and that's just—it's—it's uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful mm. thing. So that's—that's that's the basic narrative of how I got to be a professor and then now president.
1: That's pretty cool.
2: So if somebody's
1: listening and they're like, okay, 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 I mean, I'm salivating. I want that. I can't pack up and, you know, I'm in a different career. I'm not approaching this from a vocational point of view, but I, I, want, I want some of that. Um, you know, I had a similar experience. Dr. Howard Hendricks, if you know that name, was my mentor. And I mean, I never recovered from his basic Bible study methods class. And now this year, uh, one of the guys I work with here at Walkthrough the Bible, Michael Gunnan, has put together something. I think it's one of the best things Walkthroughs ever done. Just called Bible Study Simplified, and yeah. and making this in reach for for the average person that doesn't have formal Bible training. And you know, I mean, a good eighty percent of the pastors we serve around the world also don't have any formal Bible training. So, uh, taking what you're talking about, but let's talk about some baby steps that, that people can take. Um, there's an article you wrote that I want to I want to look at in a minute. But um, let's let's just start with an easy question. I mean, I, I asked JD, who does the tech for this podcast. I said, "We got another C.S. Lewis junkie on here today," and he's like, "Everybody we interview is in love with C.S. Lewis. If somebody were to start, what are the first two C.S. Lewis books?" that they ought to pick up. Oh, man. Um, I know that's torture for you.
2: That's that's a tough one. If they're just starting, I mean, I think probably a a, a mere Christianity and a screw tape letters are probably going to be two good That's exactly
1: the two I would say. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I only ask you two because I wouldn't know how to pick between those two. So mere Christianity and screw tape letters. Give us a paragraph on each of those to just whet people's appetite.
2: Well, mere Christianity is a series of – you know, lecture, uh, radio talks he gave during the middle of World War II, basically trying to explain the Christian faith to the masses. And uh, in it, he basically walks through kind of a, a moral argument for the existence of God and then unpacks sort of the basics of, of the Christian faith uh, in terms of the, the basic gospel, kind of Christian morality and behavior, how, how should we live, uh, and then ends it with a, a section on sort of deeper stuff, the, the Trinity and things like that. Um, so it's just a nice little package, and it's a great example of what I said earlier about taking very, um, if, if you know, if you've studied sort of formal theology, it's really a fascinating thing to go and see how underneath that what seems to be a very simple, straightforward expression of basic Christianity um, is a really deep, rich reservoir of careful theological thinking that he's trying to make accessible to people. And so that's why it's a great it's a great book for both um, specialists and then for intro stuff and then uh, and, and written letters.
1: in the context of a very difficult time in history absolutely. too when people were going there's got to be answers more than what we're being offered by politicians or absolutely. the loudest voices yeah
2: absolutely and then screw tape letters is a uh, an imaginary correspondence between an uh, elder demon and a younger demon. Um, but it's really a book on the Christian life and the sort of challenges that you face as you see the sort of dem- the demonic strategies uh, used to uh, tempt you and lead you to sin in all sorts of ways. And it, it basically that one was birthed out of Lewis's awareness of his own heart and the way it worked. And then he just then creatively, in, you know, put it in the mouths of, uh, of demons about what their strategies might be as a way of helping us to know ourselves better so that we could know God better. And, uh, and so it's just a fun, it's a fun little one um, that I think is very profound. Whenever I teach, I teach a class uh, in our seminary for our first year seminarians called Foundations of Christian Hedonism. And that's one of the texts, signed texts. And we just walk over the semester. We'll do like one or two letters at the beginning of every class as just a kind of little practical uh, uh, framing um, where I'm both trying to, on the one hand, here's, this is an issue. This will help you in your marriage, right? Like read this, but then also, do you see how he's bringing to bear these really rich biblical categories and trying to apply them. Uh, as pastors, you guys should do the same thing. You should work really hard at this. So, hmm.
1: Yes, I've read Screw Tape Letters, I, I don't know, uh, more than a handful of times in my life. But the first time was uh, my sophomore year in college, and my navigator Bible study leader goes, you need to read this. And at the time, I was still pre-med, and I'm like, I don't need to read anything that's not going to be on a test. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to be kidding me. And I said, I said, "Tell me why I should read this," and he goes, "Phil, you lo- you you love sports, you love football." He goes, he goes, "Would it help you to prepare for Saturday's game if somebody gave you a copy of the other team's playbook?" And I go, "Well, of course, of course. You'd recognize their formations. You'd know, you know, what not to go for the fakes." And he goes, "This is the other team's playbook." He goes, "Read this," and it just I could not put it down once I stopped reading it. so screw tape letters mere Christianity I I second Joe's nominations for those. Um, we're not quite ready to end yet but we're we're headed into the probably the final section. You wrote something um, for desiring God a month or so ago. I didn't give you any advance notice in this so rack your brain back uh, June 10th you wrote something. I, I I just think it's superb. Do unto authors, not others, but authors. Four principles for reading well. Um, mm-hmm. I I think this is another good entry level step um, for for a lot of our listeners who would say, okay, I it's too late in my life to end up where Joe ended up. Um, I don't have that time to put into it. What what can I do? And I just think what you wrote for Desiring God about, about learning to read well, it was simple, but it's also profound. And you may not remember all the different things you talked about, but, but I, bet, I bet you can give a pretty good shot at it. Um, just talk us through, what does it mean to read well? How do we develop not just that discipline but that skill set and, um, what's it, what's it look like in real life? What's it look like if I'm, if I'm reading something on a news site online, what's it look if I'm, if I'm reading a magazine or a newspaper, what's it look like if I'm, if I'm opening a book of scripture, like Philippians, you mentioned earlier, what does it really mean to read well?
2: Yeah. Well, maybe start with kind of uh, we, we summarize our kind of fundamental aims in education. Uh, here at Bethlehem, uh, around six key habits of heart and mind. So these are six habits that we're trying to, over the course of four years the college, four years of the seminary, cultivate in our students. And uh, the first is we want them to observe their subject matter accurately. So just see, just open your eyes and see, whatever it is, newspapers or the Bible or Shakespeare, see it, Uh, to understand what they've observed. That's a step beyond observation. Observation just sees, and then understanding is about kind of asking yourself some question, trying to wrap your mind around it a little bit. And then having observed and understood, then to evaluate what you've understood. So is it true? Or is it false? Is it good or is it evil? Is it beautiful or is it ugly? You're going to evaluate what you've observed and understood. And the fourth one is kind of interesting because we say then then you need to feel intensely according to the value of what you've evaluated, meaning if it's really good you should feel its goodness if it's ugly you should hate it if it's if it's wrong you should hate it and so and your emotions ought to be calibrated according to the relative value so if it's if it's a really glorious truth you ought to be really excited and if it's not if it's just a little thing then you ought to be sort of excited and that your your emotions should track with reality and then after feeling then you apply wisely what you've understood and what you felt and then finally you've expressed in speech and in writing and everything all of that so observe understand evaluate feel apply and express those are the six habits reading is really about those first two it's so the, the two things and this is you know if you think back at your basic bible uh the first time I, I learned how to do bible study it was always observation interpretation application that was sort of the basic real basic thing that i learned as a kid about how you do the bible so first is just notice what's there so you're what what are the words what's that word mean and how many times does this get mentioned? And you're just you're just observing what's there. And then you're interpreting, which I'm, I'm linking here with understanding. And understanding is about attempting to recover what the author wanted to communicate in what he said. So we're we're gonna try. He was the author of this book, Bible or otherwise, was trying to do something with his words. He wanted his words to to do something. And and good reading is about following directions what what was he attempting to get me to to see to do to know and uh, and if I've understood I may not agree with him if I'm reading a newspaper but can I understand him can I can I this is the, the article you mentioned treat authors the way you want to be treated so I want when I communicate something I want people to not treat my words like a wax nose that they can bend whichever way they want I want them to really embrace or, or understand what I said. And so we should treat people the way we want to be treated. Uh, and so we talk about understanding what the author originally meant. And then once we've done that, then we can turn and say, now what does this mean for me? What, How do I apply this to my life? What what relevance does this have? And that's a different question, though, from just basic recovery of what an author intended through the laborious effort of paying attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's kind of the basic deal, which is... Um, which is a real—it's not easy. It's—it's it's a skill. It's something you have to cultivate, which is more and more difficult in the age of sound bites and social media, where it's all impressions and all fast and flitting, and and uh, the, the the careful, rigorous work of stopping to think and listen and understand uh, is—you're—you you're, have to swim against the grain if you're going to do it well. Well,
1: and and the everything is written to such extremes that the goal is to make it memorable by having that emotional response instantly, right. which is, you know, and in the order you've actually got the feel that's, yeah. that's the fourth step after there's already been a lot of input and evaluation of it. And, you know, delaying that. Whereas, whereas social media is all driven to, you got to right. get an instant response or they're on to something else.
2: Right. Yeah. You're trying to, yeah. So most of our, and, and the passions, so that, there's ways in which those knee jerk reactions cloud your thinking. Mm -hmm. So one of the, one of the ways we talk about our aims in education is we're aiming for maturity. And one of the ways we define maturity is, is sober mindedness, um, which is the opposite of what social media is trying to produce, which is quick, hot take reactionary, Mm -hmm. um, you know, responses, but sober mindedness is about clarity of mind and a, a stability of soul and a readiness to act. And, and so there's a steadiness because you're not, um, you don't get drunk on your feelings, because you can't, you know. So your feelings can cloud your judgment, but they can make it harder to see. Uh, and so, de- developing the the disciplines of mind to be stable and steady, to be curious and patient, uh, to listen and understand before responding and making judgments, all of those are habits. They're they they're not natural. They're they're very unnatural. And for the Christian, they become supernatural when the grace of God is at work. And, uh, and so they are things we have to cultivate and train ourselves in, um, if we're going to be good readers mm. and therefore good humans. Mm.
1: Well, this is probably a whole nother podcast topic, but I, I, I want to challenge you. Maybe you've already done this, but I didn't run across it. Given your past interest in the law and the way that your mind is wired, um, I mean, to take that grid that you just gave us, I think there could be some fascinating writing coming from you, not from me, because my mind is not wired this way. But, But even with debates in terms of interpretation of the U.S. Constitution and, you know, I mean, there's the idea that an originalist is detached from current life today and, and the difference between meaning and significance and all those things. I just, I just want to challenge you to, to maybe take some of this same grid and apply it to, to those issues. Cause I don't see a lot of really clear thought, um, from a theological perspective being applied to some of those issues. And, um, you know, and ultimately it's got to get off the page and into our lives. So there's got to be a point of decision uh, uh, about things, but um, there you go. You didn't know you'd get a homework assignment out of our conversation today, but uh, uh, Joe, you've, you've got the gifts to put some thought in there and, and give us some new tools with some new ways of thinking about things.
2: Yeah, I appreciate that. I will take that to heart. I, maybe a uh, sh- short of that this, this isn't on the uh, on constitutional stuff, but one of my colleagues, Dr. Niselli, uh, if you're, if your listeners are looking for a book that'll help them to uh, read the Bible well, um, he's got a book called How to Understand and Apply the New Testament and there's a companion volume uh, written by a friend of ours called How to Understand and Apply the Old Testament and it's basically sort of a 12 step sort of a 12-step process of moving from you know that original context to our own day, um, and, uh, it's, it's a great, it's just a great, you know, it's textbook ish, but it's designed for, um, motivated readers, people who really, I want to understand my Bible better. And so I'm happy to commend Dr. Nacelli's book, uh, how to understand Our oh, Bible. I'm absolutely going to check those out. So we will put links to some of these things in here,
1: especially, um, this, this article about how to read well, I, yeah. I'm, I'm telling you friends there there is condensed wisdom in there i read through it i went crazy with a highlighter i got to go through it again more slowly um if if you struggle to get it off the page and into your life that will help you unlock that as as well as that new resource um bible study simplified from our ministry um joe this has been just an absolutely great conversation i didn't know what direction this would go um, not knowing you. I knew a few threads I wanted to pull on and see where they went. And I'm, I'm just delighted by this conversation. Um, before, before I let you go, um, what, what is some way where I can practically pray for you right now? Um, I know wow. you need wisdom for what you say yes to and what you say no to. You've got, Jenny, you've got three boys um, still at home. So it's easy to pray about that. Um, I remember that life stage well, but um, what else can we, uh, our listeners pray for you right now?
2: Yeah, I, I think uh, praying for the long-term faithfulness and fruitfulness of the, uh, the institution here at Bethlehem would be a, a great prayer. We, we want to be, um, higher education is a deadly endeavor. It's mm. dangerous. Um, drift is so easy. The pressures are real. Uh, and we want to honor God and seek the good of our students above everything else. And so, and we want to be a blessing to the church for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so praying for God's faithfulness for, for this, for this school and for God's provision for all of its needs uh, for students and, and their um, for the fruitfulness that they, they receive here. That would be a great, great prayer. Um, always, always welcoming uh, that. And then maybe actually I'm thinking about it an invitation to your, to your listeners um this fall where we actually are launching a new a new gathering here in the twin cities called godward life and uh you can throw maybe i'll, I'll send you a link and you can sure. throw that one the, the show notes godward life it's a new gathering for serious joy um but it's for anybody so it's you know old young student you know grandparents bring the grandkids you know for student you know, student high school students uh college students adults um, and uh, about half of it is going to be one day. It's a two-day event. And one day will be these up-close, personal, interactive uh, workshops with our professors and with the teachers from Desiring God and other pastors in our, in our area. So these kind of interactive on parenting and men and women and uh, the Bible and writing and all these sorts of things. And then the second day will largely be um, plenary messages uh, from John Piper, myself some of the teachers from Desiring God on God's greatest pleasures. Wow. Uh, and so if you've, if you've, uh, so it's God's pleasure in himself, God's pleasure in his, his creation, God's pleasure in human responses, God's pleasure in the gospel, those sorts of things. And, uh, and so we're, we're really looking forward to just gathering people who resonate with uh, with what we offer here in uh, at Bethlehem and at Desiring God. And would love to invite your listeners um, to, to join us at the end of September, uh, September 30th, October 1st. Uh, So we'll include a link there, and you guys can... Yeah,
1: absolutely. We'll help you get the word out about that. Father, I thank you for this chance to meet Joe, and uh, Lord, I look forward to reading a whole lot more of what he's written. Thank you for how you've used him to challenge me today, and I pray that that's true for all of us who are listening. Lord, I pray that um, you would deliver us from the cancer of comparison that says, wow, I can't think like that, or I didn't... I didn't devote myself to that early enough in life. Lord, show us the next step that we can take. Um, Lord, for Joe, that you would continue to give him wisdom, what to say yes to, what to say no to, that you would just protect his marriage, keep it pure, keep it vibrant, um, keep his relationship with his three sons, Lord. May they be, may they be his most important three disciples, that he raises up to serve you, Lord, and uh, continue to build roots that go deep at Bethlehem as well as at, at City's Church. And Lord, I just, I just believe your hand is on this man's life, and I, I pray that you would just continue to multiply his opportunities while also continuing to narrow his focus, Lord, to what did you make him to do that nobody else can do Thanks for this conversation. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. We'll, we'll see you again on the next edition of Step Into the Story. Um, a lot of good follow-up steps um, that, that we'll bring to you um, from this conversation. Um, Joe, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the easiest way for them to track with your ministry?
2: Uh, best place would be uh, Desiring God, so I write there regularly. Or on Twitter, uh, Joe underscore Rigney is my Twitter handle. Um, And so things that I do show up there usually.
1: All right. Well, thank you very much. And everybody, we'll see you next time back here on Step Into the Story.
0: Thank you for joining us for the Step Into the Story podcast, powered by Walk Through the Bible. We'd love to hear what you think by giving us a review on iTunes or Google Play. Also, don't miss a single episode by clicking the subscribe button. If you'd like more resources to help you explore and live God's word in your daily life, visit walkthrough.org. That's walkthr dot O-R-G. Walk through the Bible. Take a walk. Change the world.